And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today, as always, on Monday, Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? Well, we had quite a Dort week. We did. Yeah. We really did. We were in the Dortress all season. Yes. Unbelievable. Well, but, but I mean, the Dortness of the last three games is kind of insane. <laughs> yeah. His, uh, his production has been outrageous in all the games that he's played in recently. Um, the... The numbers are 29 points per game, 29 points against the Raptors, 26 against Detroit, and then 42 against Utah. And the best part about all of that is that it all comes in a loss, every single one of them. Yeah, that that, that helps as well. I mean, um, <coughs> last time we talked, I think we were in the... We're not in the worst five in terms of record. Uh, now they are, and it's... Um, you know, it's something that they still have a lot of work to do in order to maintain that position. But at least um, the the Wizards seems to to be now in, in the right trajectory. Toronto, you know, that game really counted um, because it ties the tiebreaker and whatever. So I mean, yeah, it was big. Yeah, yeah. yeah take, take, taking a look at Tankathon.com. If you are on the live stream, and if you're just listening to the podcast, you can join us on the live, live stream on YouTube. We usually try to alert you. And if you just subscribe and you hit that little bell, you'll know when we're live. So be sure you do that. Subscribe to our YouTube page. Uh, but if you're live on YouTube, you can see these Tankathon standings, the reverse standings in front of us. The Thunder currently hold the longest losing streak in the NBA at 10 games in a row. I never thought we would see that number in front of us, but here we are today. They sit two games back of four and three games back of three. I think it will be really difficult to even pass Orlando. I'm mm-hmm. not saying it's impossible because they have had some pretty surprising games here and there, but there's not that many games left. What do we have, 16 games left? I just don't know that you can hop Orlando in that span of time. Not impossible, because it's certainly, if the Thunder, and it seems like they're going to lose, they'll likely lose tonight unless something miraculous happens. Because Why do you sitting, have to say that? Sitting Dort, I don't know, I really messed everything up there, didn't I? Uh, yeah. They should, they, they're probably going to win tonight. They're going to end all of this tonight with, uh, <laughs> with a win Too late. in Washington. Second out of a back-to-back. Um, but yeah, there's just not there's not a lot of time left to hop those guys. But if you just eke into the top five, that's just way better than being six, seven, or eight at this point. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I mean, there is um, someone on Twitter. I want to give him a shout out because he's doing amazing work, uh, keeping track of uh, game by game um, effect. I think it's Tyler Carroll. Tyler yeah, Carroll right. 12 um, right. is basically keeping track of the impact of every single game on the um, on the final position of OKC and more important, the odds of a top um, top five pick, one or more top five picks, um, which, you know, it seems that with Houston having the worst record, we OKC is in the worst possible spot uh, because they it's the best place for Houston to keep the pick. Uh, but this is actually not um, uh, the correct view on that. We, we said it many times. And, I mean, we, we have to, to think that this is also the best uh, place for OKC to get two top five um, picks. So there's that. And um, I don't know about Orlando. They... 
they can still win two more games than OKC. Uh, I don't know about the tie the tiebreaker, but I think that that is um, on uh, on the um, Orlando's favor. So I think yeah. they need to 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 lose exactly two games more than uh, than Orlando in the in the next fifteen games. Yeah. Certainly possible. I wouldn't count on that, though. I don't know that... I mean, to me, OKC's going to need to lose basically every game for the yeah. rest of the season to get there, which I just think is... It's improbable. Because they were going to... Whoops, I'm, sh- I'm sharing my everything right now. Um, it's improbable um, that they'll finish like that. I just don't think they will. They almost won last night. Yeah. In Toronto, there are just a few things um, that just went wrong. And really, the last four minutes of the game, they couldn't score. Yeah. They they essentially didn't score the last four minutes of the game. They got a gimme bucket uh, to Isaiah Roby for a dunk. Yeah. And they had Lou Dort free throws. And that was it in the final four minutes of the game. And uh, Mark Degnall talked about it after the game that those last four minutes are just different. So the last, the closing minutes of a game, are way different than the first you know, 45 minutes. Especially and when so, the game is on the line. Especially when the game's on the line. And they struggled mightily. Yeah. And this is part of the design of what's supposed to happen the rest of the season. And not, not that they're in just throwing guys out there and just hoping that they lose. It's that they are throwing guys out there and hoping that they'll learn mm-hmm. is, is what the process is. And the losing is a part is a part of it. When you throw young, inexperienced NBA players out there in crunch time minutes, they typically lose because they don't they don't have experience for the moment. Yeah, which I think is it's and that's what they're trying to do, especially with Lou. And I love that I love the reps that Lou's getting right now because I I think that. It's preparing him not so that he can be like a featured role down the line, but it's preparing him for moments down the line. So he has those reps, and he's he's not scared, and he's not um, he, he'll be willing to take those shots, and I think he will be. He's, I think he's already shown that uh, in the last playoffs, but um, even this, where he gets a chance to crit off the dribble some and make mistakes, I think it's good. I think to me, it's it's only good for a guy like Lou. Yeah, it's definitely good. And in order to be a functional offensive player, I think that, as you said, these reps are very important. And um, I mean, even as you as you and John mentioned last night in Thunder After Dark, uh, the fact that um, he's doing this and, and he will learn through it. And <clears throat> at some point, uh, if an injury happens, like he's he's going to be able to adapt in a in a quicker way i mean uh now that the, the marcus smart comparison is all over the internet and it's easy and I, I see everything uh marcus smart was a guy that was able to lead a team in college and whenever he was called upon in boston he was able to be the man even if he's not going to do that every single night because i mean Boston decided to go in, um, in a different direction, um, which may or may not be a good thing. Um, but I mean, Lou has shown a lot of stuff, and um, and the fact that he's now able to take trees with the guy in his jersey, that to me is unbelievable. The fact that he's able to shake a guy and take a jumper from twenty feet, that to me is complete madness. The dribble, the, the stuff of the dribble. Those were stuff that you could see in college, but not the shot off the dribble with the guy that is guarding you tightly. And I don't, I don't no. care if it's a, if it's even a, um, a two-way guy on the other side of the, of the court. It's still a guy that is right in front of you, hands hand in your face. That is something yeah. that wasn't able to do last year. Period. Well, just the fact that the defense pays attention to him at all. Is yeah. such a massive upgrade in the world of Lugans Dort. Like that's yeah. last season in the playoffs, game five. Go watch it. Even go watch game seven. It was yeah. stay as far away from Lou Dort as possible, Rockets, and it will eventually work out for us. And they were right. They ended up being right. Uh, it almost cost Barely. them. The, it almost cost them the game, but they ended up being right. And I don't think you can do that anymore. 
I don't think that that's going to be a thing moving forward because it's his ability to attack off the drive that has changed things. And I know he's not shooting well at the rim, Alex, and I talked about that last week. And I actually asked Mark about that, and he gave a fantastic answer. This was on Friday. He's saying that he gathers the ball too early and that it's all about his footwork around the basket. He said that is all learned stuff. It's not natural stuff for him. It's all going to be learned, and it will come with time. And just those little details I thought were great. I thought it was a great a great uh, explanation from Mark who he could say, yeah, he'll get better. He just needs to he needs to keep practicing. But the de- I love the detailed answer, and Mark Dagnall's been really good at giving stuff like that to us this year. Yeah, and also I want to stress this. Uh, an inefficient shot at the rim for Lou Dort is still from 10 to 15% better than a mid-range shot of a good mid-range shooter. Well, not mm. well, an average mid-range shooter. Like mm-hmm. to shot 50% or more at the rim, uh, I think it's he is 51%, something like that. Yeah, 52 is what 52. he was at when we looked at it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, remember when we said that Russell Westbrook was having a good season from the mid-range? That was 44, 43. Right. Like, it's 10% better. Like, this is, like, to say that something is inefficient and it's still way more efficient than the average mid-range shot, yeah, of course, you, you can always improve, but, but it's not a bad shot. It's a shot that generates 1.4, um, 104 points per 100 possession, which is okay. Like, not yeah. great, but who cares? Um, it's not that I want him to stop doing that, even if that is his percentage for his entire career. I'm still okay with that. He's not a super efficient player. Great. Mm-hmm. But the point, the point to me, and, and we need to discuss this, like he is averaging 29 points per game or or more in the last three games while playing insane defense because yeah he takes a few possessions off here and there because he's tired but like most of the possession he is a beast he yep. is he's doing exactly what he was doing against Houston against James Harden okay talent is very different i mean it's easy to guard Malachi Flynn compared to uh, James Harden but still He's there, like playing every single possessions on both ends of the court. That is, that to me is crazy. It's outrageous to be able to expend that kind of energy. And we've discussed this as well, that he's likely not going to have to be that guy, which is great because he's going to, I think he can be an all defensive team staple for a decade if he stays healthy. You know, I think that that is right within his wheelhouse, plus being able to be a good offensive player that contributes, it's not outrageous to say 15, 16 points per game. Yeah, it's on the eye side, but yes. I mean, that's that's really something. Yeah. And to get a guy like that just off the scrap heap, that is, that is a one in a million chance, right? Yeah. I mean, you just don't you just don't bring in undrafted players that do that. Uh, another undrafted player from Montreal was our hero last night. Oh yeah, Chris Boucher. Uh, I didn't I didn't know that that he and Dort had a history. And Chris talked after the game about it that they've known each other since they were like kids, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty cool. And then Lou, um, he was saying that like Lou is the future of. Canadian basketball, like one of the futures of Canadian basketball. And he, he said, I think Chris Boucher also said that he was a future of the a future of the NBA, which is just hilarious to say. Um, but then Lou was asked about Team Canada and if he would want to play. And then Lou said something like, yeah, that he wanted to, to try out. And uh, which is an outrageous statement. That's like saying like Jesus wants to try out for the Bible. Like of like of course. Like you're there, man. Like you're you're in there. Like, I you like just the say the word. Yeah. <laughs> you just you just sign up and you're on the team, Lou. Yeah. I mean it's it to me it's just it's just his I guess that's maybe his like Canadianness showing through. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like so nice, like so kind. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll try. I'll try. So I'll, hopefully, I'll make it. Like, of course, you're gonna make it, Lou. Like, stop that. 
Yeah, I already said with uh, with John that if Corey Joseph makes the team and Ludort somehow doesn't, and it's not his own willingness to to do that, like to sit out because he has other things to do, which is completely okay with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we, we just have to to organize a protest and, and do something crazy because it's <laughs> that is that is impossible. That talent wise, no, no he's not a starter on that team. Not not even on the team. I mean, yeah. Well, a starter. No. It's with Jamal Mori. Uh, it would have been difficult for him to be the starting shooting guard. But without, sure, there's a decent chance that he's the guy. Um, depending on what others uh, want want to do, but yeah, Team Canada yeah, is pretty yeah. solid. Yeah, they got some guys. It's Kim not, Birch, it's, Kim Birch, another Canadian. <laughs> Lots He's, of Canadians. Yeah, it was a great, great Canadian game last night. Not played in Canada, unfortunately, but it was it was entertaining. We had some Poku moments. Mm-hmm. We uh, Poku was the is the first. Uh, NBA player since LeBron James, first not NBA player, first rookie since LeBron James to have the five plus points, five plus uh, boards, assists, and blocks, mm-hmm. uh, which is definitely a Poku thing. Like, Poku is going to be a stat sheet stuffer moving forward. He's going to be a guy that's going to contribute. Uh, he contributes like a guard on offense and then contributes like a big on defense. It's uh, He's just such a wild and wacky player, and I hope he continues to get better because he's just pure entertainment. Yeah. Can I go hot take here? Always. I think that that Poku played one of, one of his best games uh, last night because okay. I don't care about the shooting results as of now. Yeah. I just don't sure. care. I mean, I, I I saw the shots and there was none of the trees that they took that I would say, well, no, don't take that. And it happens. He's, just, he's not there yet physically. Um, like muscle, his muscles are changing from day to day. Mm-hmm. It started mm-hmm. from the second league in Greece where you don't have professional trainers handling your body. So in year one, I'm completely fine with whatever percentage he has. The point is, A, is getting the shots he wants all the time. B, the creation. I mean, he had two or three looks that were insane, flat out insane. To start the game, he was the engine of the offense. And that, to me, is crazy. I mean, the fact that the guy like that, yeah, against minor competition in terms of defense, that for sure, but he was able to create in and those were such amazing looks always trying to reverse the field and i mean to me the vision was just insane and and for this reason only i have a hard time thinking about poku and saying well he'll be out of the league no with that on ball skills that no Mm -hmm. just like even i mean like just to be he will learn to shoot i'm i'm so confident on that now well everyone can forget about shooting and Draymond Green like it's an example he was a 34 percent shooter one season now they are giving him the door treatment so the past door treatment of the past of course um, so it happens but I, I don't trust that I mean his shooting motion is so pure that I really think it's a le- it's an issue of his body changing and the lack of strength because if you like, if you look at the way in which he takes those shots, I mean, every shots, every shot looked the same. So, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> he's so he's such an easy player to like just immediately just like go to his ceiling in your brain, right? Yeah, yeah. He's this wing that can block shots like a center, but is definitely a wing, like moves like a wing. Uh, he can pass. He can. He's figuring out the rhythms of an mm-hmm. NBA defense, and now that he's figured out the rhythms of an NBA defense, he knows how and when to attack. You know, mm-hmm. he puts on the brakes, and then he's able to get to his spot, and he keeps his dribble, and he's able to find guys. That pass out to Lou, and I s- tweeted about it last night. You can find it on my profile. I just, how many guys in the league can do that? Mm-hmm. It's. It's got to be less than 10. 
I mean, there's just that can see that, that can move that way. Certainly, if you're talking 6'11 and bigger guys, what is the list? Jokic. Like, what, who else? Jokic. That big can, uh, can throw that pass. Yanis can probably do that. Yeah. Like, the, is that the list? Is that it? Anthony Davis, maybe in his good days, when he wants to pass, he probably can yeah, do that. Yeah, he's good. He's good. I just don't. Yeah. I mean, Perhaps. occasionally, if you say how many players do that every single night, then above 6'11 is just Janis and, and, and Jokic and yeah. Marcus All in his days. I mean, but those are the great. That's the passers. list. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. There's. It is, it is such a huge skill for him. Yeah. It is such a big one. And he's got it already. Yeah. It's already there. It's in the bag. Exactly. It's, this it's is why outrageous. I'm so excited. The passing, the, I mean, it's. Uh, I'm doing a comparison that doesn't make any sense, but I'll do it anyway. Uh, it's Jimmer Fredette versus Trey Young. Like, the, the shooting numbers, if you take the shooting numbers of Trey and Jimmer uh, in their last year in college, mm-hmm. pretty similar. Mm-hmm. The thing that... Um, that differs is the court vision. That is something that changes the, the dynamic completely. Jimmer didn't have that and all, all sort of stuff. But the fact that Trey was able to, to basically generate offense with his passing and by spacing the floor, Poku is yep. able to shake a, defend, a good defender right now and create. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. take his season and suppose that instead of shooting 22%, is at 38. Is he in the discussion for Rookie of the Year? Probably not because of the games, but take that number and yeah. put it 38% from three. Like It's a remarkable season. And now, he didn't do it. Make the all-rookie team. Yeah, I mean, he'd sure. be on the all-rookie team for Ex- sure. Exactly. He didn't do it, which is important, because right now we can't say that he's a good shooter, but he's able to do all the other things. Defensively, he's good. He's not bad. Yes, he's not physical enough to, to guard a five, but he has good timing and he knows how to slide his feet to, to keep a guy in front. Like, those things are very important. Now, the ceiling, ultimately, will depend on his shooting. Because if you take Dirk Nowitzki and you take out the outrageous shooting uh, of Dirk, he's not Dirk. He's a very useful guy in the league, but not Dirk. Mm-hmm. So the ceiling, mm-hmm. ultimately, is that one. But it depends on the shooting. But the rest, like the fact that he sticks in the league, I think we have very good indication that if he wants to stay and if he wants to improve, which seems uh, what he wants to do, then I think that games like the one against Toronto are the ones to, to look at. Yeah. What if Poku's like a crafty, dribbling Andre Karolinko? Yeah. If that's his peak, if that's where he is at the peak of his powers. I'm not counting on Poku being the second best player on this team. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I, I believe it will be Shea and whoever they get in this or the next draft mm-hmm. will be the two best players. And then if you just throw a crafty, dribbling Andre Karolinko onto that team with those guys, okay. Now there's like now you're really able to make an actual run, right? Um, the chat is going crazy, by the way. <laughs> I just I think of him because of the close to five by five stuff, right? Because that's that's stuff that Andre Karolinko did all the time, yeah. right? He was constantly getting steals and blocks. He was a guy that could pass and get assists. <laughs> And he was good on the boards, and he would just kind of fly around everywhere, yeah. or like shot like a Sean Marion even type of yeah. guy, um, like a bigger Sean Marion. I mean, those are the type of players that I think Poku could compare to because those guys were more wings. They're three fours definitely, and that's what Poku is. Mm-hmm. And they Today. just kind of do everything. They kind of fi- they just kind of fill in the gaps of everything with their basketball IQ. And so I, I don't know. I really. I'm highly intrigued to see what he could be because I thought he was going to be more of a big just because that's what he was uh, when he was playing against children. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that he's, as he gains strength, that he's, man, he's going to be a guy that can be on the wing, and I think he could defend bigger wings too. And like, yeah, James Anderson says he's he's not as fluid staying in front of players, and I totally agree. But he's like, like do you remember Kirilenko at 18 years old? I, tell us. I, I don't. I don't. Yeah, but the I point don't know is, either. I saw Pokushevsky being able to stay with elite wings on more than one occasion. Now, you have to do it consistently every single night in order to be a great defender. But the point is, he knows how to use his body to allow certain angles and not other ones. Now, again, Mm -hmm. the, the point that I'm trying to make is the ingredients are really there. Like, you can have your doubts in... Uh, in June or whenever the, the the draft was, because you know uh, it was this man of mystery. Then you see preseason, then you see all the wild stuff. Now, mm-hmm. if you look at how he's playing after the bubble, you can see reliable stuff. You could see his creation being way better than in the beginning, and and the fact that he's able to to play as a, a backside defender that is extremely important. Now, yes, he's not uh, Kirilenko today. Clearly, he played 30 games in the league. But he he has the potential to be as fluid. He has the potential to, with his length, to be a disruptive defender. And, and I think he knows where to be defensively, which is extremely important. There are guys that, that it took like three or four years to, 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 to be at the point where they understand NBA defense. Like this guy, like Lou Dort. Lou Dort last season, like after 20 games, he just completely got one-on-one defense in the NBA. That That is insane. So I really think that there are, again, the the last few games of Poco, like except for shooting, which is, again, extremely important, are very interesting. Yeah. I'm, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Poku's he is certainly, to me, he's an NBA talent. And he's the youngest guy in the league, and I'm. I think the year one to year two leap is something to really watch yeah, with him. Exactly, because he has got he has gotten better as the season has gone on, as the experiences have come, as he's learned to, like I said, play within the rhythm of an NBA defense on the offensive end. Is what I mean. Like he he knows where he can find his gaps, and that paired with strength. That paired with the confidence of knowing I can play in the league, that paired with everything that the Thunder are throwing at him. Hmm. That's, I mean, that is very, it's really, really interesting uh, to see what he becomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the sky is the limit for a guy that has the skill set that he does. It's, it is completely outrageous. Yeah. Um, I did want to touch on something. I know that tanking is something that people are talking a lot about and we had the Raptors getting fined recently mm-hmm. which then people there's all these hilarious memes about the thunder and like Sam Presti and like what Sam is thinking about it but uh and you, you maybe you guys heard this on the on the press conference when they talked about Horford uh not playing anymore but this is a this is a coaching decision, and this is what Mark said. Uh, this is a coaching decision. This isn't a rest decision. So it's not. This is not like Cal Lowry. They're not resting Al Horford. They. This is a DNP CD for the rest of the season, and this is this is this is what's happening. Okay. This Which... is this is why the Thunder aren't be, being fined for this. Um, same thing, Michael Scala has injuries, but he's also going to be a DMPCD. They want to figure out what they've got in any of these young guys and see if any of them are worth hanging around. And so that's essentially what the deal is. And this is what, this is what Mark said after, and I just wanted to kind of remind people, this is what Mark said after they announced that Horford, uh, wouldn't be playing anymore. That that's an agreement that they all came to. Yeah. Yeah. And, um. I mean, I'm sure that next year there will be a rule for that as well, probably. Perhaps. Yeah, but um, I mean. But also, this we have to. We just can't lose perspective of how weird this season is. Yeah, yeah, no. The, the uh, second part of this uh, the schedule is so crazy. 
and meaningless yes. for a guy like that to play and risk the fact that he could get another season of like of good playing time and probably that could translate in another contract so it's all good i'm just saying that yeah. uh, since the league is has implement policies against um rests they will probably do something like that uh, for next year but but again i mean uh te smart teams find ways to like to, to to play within the rules exactly exactly because yes. if they are not breaking any rule uh not to my knowledge at least uh which is not big uh, i would say the knowledge mm -hmm. that i have on rules but anyway um yeah uh I'm not convinced. I was so happy to see Moses Brown pro being a productive player. Um, mm -hmm. Nothing to be seen there right now. And Dignal is avoiding yeah. playing Roby as a center. I, I'm, like last night, there was a moment where that lineup was on the court. Um, I think it was Maladon Dort uh, or, or Dort, Kenrich, Poku, Baisley and Roby, which makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense. And mm -hmm. they played a grand total of two minutes, probably two, two and a half. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. I don't see uh, Bradley or Moses Brown being. Maybe Moses, just because you you have him for cheap, but I don't know. It's... Yeah, I yeah, I don't I don't love it either. That's why I think if you can get a a big or two in this upcoming draft, then maybe just cut them loose. Yeah. Because I just I don't I don't see it either. Um, maybe definitely to me I would. And Tony Bradley's shown some stuff. I just don't think the way that he moves on the court is like he's just not a modern center. No. And Moses Brown has shown like a little bit of stuff, but man, scouting reports will do a lot for you, and they will. It has taken Moses Brown out of the game. Yeah. And he has got to, if he wants to stick in the league, he is the, you know, the book is out on Moses Brown. He's got to figure out a way to power through that. Yeah. If he, if he wants to stick. Because like, like Alex, I mean, Alex pointed this out like, right whenever they signed Moses Brown to a contract is like, his response is, did they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, they give themselves can... a chance to sign, uh, to have him under yeah. contract. Yeah. Yeah. So he could, yeah, he could be gone as as soon as this summer. That yeah. that's a possibility. And just depending on what happens in the draft, do they trade, you know, three picks to get one? Well, then he's probably staying around. Do they take all three guys and perhaps maybe take a fourth guy if, if they get another pick in a trade or something? Yeah. Then okay, well, there's a possibility we don't see Moses Brown or Tony Bradley back here. So it's just it's a fluid situation. I think the Thunder. I would guess that the Thunder still like Moses Brown to a degree. Obviously, they wouldn't have signed him to a contract if they didn't. But I, I, I just need to see what what happens this summer before I say they need to definitely move on from him because he's he's a guy that can fill fill a spot at the center position and he can come in and have a game and, and perhaps he's just a guy that's going to be better uh, off off the bench against bench bigs than he is against starting level big guys which is okay yeah and there's a there's a place in the league for those guys. yeah and also having to uh, having a better peak and roll potter will, will help as well uh because like no kidding that is something that okc is lacking right now probably the best pick and roll passer is pokushevsky which is like uh, he cannot run a north south pick and roll as of today so it's um mm -hmm. it's something that he will learn for sure I don't know about Tony Bradley. I mean, I don't see the value proposition in get keeping a guy like that because I mean, there are picks, there are tons of picks that can have the same go, impact. Probably go try another one. Exactly, exactly, go, exactly. Go, exactly. Go, go exactly. Another one's got something going on. Yeah, yeah. There's no, yeah. I, I don't really see it with either one of them. But also, there's a lot of things I don't see, and that's just the way that it's. Going. That's it's going to be. Uh, let's go to the chat and see where everybody is from that's listening, and then we'll take a break and go to some listener questions. So we have Hermes in Greece. We have Lawrence Field in Boston. We have Nate Sanders saying, yo. We have Kyle Clark in Orlando. We have Paul Chi, my guy in Jamaica. Big shouts. We have Joshua in Portland. 
We have Del Lot in Midwest City. We have uh, my guy Gonzalo in Argentina. We have Jeremiah uh, from Batman Turkey. He's <laughs> Phil in France. We have Miroslav in Germany. We have Paul in Brazil. We have Chamir in France. We have we have Penny, who I believe is in uh, Tulsa. Happy birthday, Dort! Is today's Dort's birthday? Could it perhaps be Lou Dort's birthday? I don't know. Oh my word! I think that it might be. We have really? to know this. I think so. I think that's certainly possible. Let me type Lou Dort. Dort. Lou Dort birthday. birthday. Uh, let's see. Yes, today is his birthday. Happy birthday, Lou Dort! How can we possibly for, like, it's bad podcasting, oh, Andrew. My word, how do we not know this? Thank you so much, Penny. Just keeping us on our toes out here. Oh my word, that is that is great news. Yeah, it is. It is great to know that it is his birthday. So it's Holy Dort Holy. Day. This is why the. The podcast has this uh, Dort flavor. That is why. Yeah. We can say now that this, this is our gift to Dort. That's right. Happy birthday, Lou Dort. Christos okay. uh, from Greece. We have Falk in Denmark. We have Wojciech in Poland. We have Privilege Infinite in Germany. The Fluky in Germany. We have W. Rose in Kentucky. We have, let's see, lots of AK-47 comments. Um, yeah, I think that's close to it. Thanks so much for joining. Oh, we have Tyler Carroll on the stream. The very Tyler Carroll. Oh, Tyler yes. Carol. Yes. Awesome. Tyler, thanks for joining. Thanks for all your hard work on all of those charts, too. Those are pretty awesome. Really good work. Uh, there, I tried to retweet one of those this morning. I think. Yeah, I hope I did. you did. Uh, Br Brett in New Zealand, and Palomba in Italy. Giancarlo. Shouts to everybody. Yeah. You know this person? No. You know Giancarlo? No, but I don't know okay. how to right. well, pronounce the name. Thank you. I need your help. <laughs> I need lots of help in my life. Chaz in Anchorage, Alaska. That's awesome. Talis in Brazil. Sorry if I've missed anybody. Hamza in the Bay Area. Big shouts to everybody who's joining in the stream. Be sure that if you want a shout out too, hop on the stream. Uh, and we'll be back right after this quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free when it was time for me to find a job, I went right to LinkedIn Jobs. They helped me find the right employer, and it was, man, very, very easy process. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash dunk. That's linkedin.com slash dunk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And we're back. After that quick break, we're going to go to some Twitter questions. Twitter questions! Our first question comes from at Pepsi United. If I'm not too late... How do you evaluate players' ceiling? Is Dort's ceiling being undervalued just because he went undrafted? No, uh, I don't think that is the case. Um, I think that it has to do with the way in which he started off shooting. Um, and, and the fact that a guy like that, um, we had in our time seeing him as a leader in terms of offense on his team uh it takes time yes probably the status plays uh into it a bit um of course say that dort is a top five pick and he produces like he's doing right now people will be excited um but i mean it's i mean Jokic after i would say two seasons everyone was extremely excited about him even if he was big number 55 and being undrafted today uh, it's it's also an agent's decision um Dort said that he would have been like uh he wanted to be drafted and blah 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 but but still um i think that the ceiling of Dort is still uh is high but not like high as the one that shea or prokoshevsky have today to me it's um yeah. if we say absolute absolute best scenario for Lou Dort what's that as a better offensive better offensively Marcus Smart mm-hmm. something like that that is the absolute ceiling um perhaps I, what's the thing that can make him change gear like like shooting like that he has to be a, like a crazy good shooter in order for him to to make the leap um, certainly i don't know certainly yeah i i do think that draft position does have something to do with mm-hmm. how we talk about a player ceiling the first few years though um but that's also like why they get drafted where they are and it's like it, it's all about definable skills and then potential skills right mm-hmm. and the shooting stuff has changed what everybody thought about Lou. Yeah. If ever, if anybody thought in year two, he could be shooting at the volume that he's at, around 35% from three, he goes in the first round, and there's no question. Lottery. Like, this is, to me, it's it's uh, it's clear. He goes, like, between 10 and 15. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say, like, four, he's probably the 14th pick. Yeah, absolutely. And But because teams didn't think he could shoot, he falls... And continues to fall and then fell to a point where they just said, okay, we'd rather choose our destination. And, you know, and then that becomes a part of the evaluation. You just have no expectations. It's a lot about, not not even about ceilings, but it's about expectations. Mm-hmm. If you draft a guy in the top 10, you're going to have expectations mm-hmm. for what they're going to be in the NBA. Because there's been a lot of top 10 players that have helped teams become great there aren't very many guys that went on draft or even guys that went in the second round and you guys can probably name all of them right like we can name all of them in in the second round it's Jokic it's Draymond Green it's Chris Middleton it's you know you can name them Mm -hmm. because there are so few of them yeah right and Lou Dort is going to be added to the list of undrafted players in the history of the NBA that have come in and made an impact and there were literally no expectations yeah. for him. Yeah, and there's also the fact that you need to evaluate him over a longer period of time, not 80 games. I mean, right. the fact that people talk about ceiling um, longer for like five-star recruit, even Moses Brown is still talk as a five-star recruit, which yeah, which he was. Certainly. Um, because those data points have, in those years, um, are important now i think that uh if he closes the season at this level or close to this like averaging 20 points per game then Mm -hmm. his draft spot would be completely meaningless in the upside talk 
But still, Certainly. even if he averages 20, he is not extremely efficient as of today. What is, what is the thing yeah. that makes you uh, think or feel that the ceiling is different from a very high-level contributor, either in the starting unit or off the bench? That to me is not there yet. And may, it yeah. may be, it may be one of the skills that he had in college and now is kind of uh, not used as much, which is his passing. Now, if Lou Dort can start nailing passes left and right, and when he dribbles, he has a better understanding of the floor, that is something that could change things like a lot. Mm -hmm. Because if you improve mm -hmm. on the passing, the defense is really good to to elite depending on the type of prospect that is the type of player that is guarding if the shooting is real then we are discussing a player that has a different ceiling but still it's hard it's it's yep. i don't see a path to be a, like top five percent in the league even with the yep. passing maybe maybe i'm blind yep. maybe but but i don't see that yeah yeah i see a key piece on a team but maybe your third or fourth piece yeah. on your team which is very important mm -hmm. and something that the thunder nailed with serge baka exactly serge is a very good was comp in terms of value for a team as a sitting for yeah. door and a very important very 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 important to the thunder becoming what they became mm -hmm. uh <laughs> did you see that video i think taylor sent it to us about Kevin talking about the top five players that he's ever played with. I, I saw the message, but I, I didn't click because... You got to go watch it. I don't know if you guys saw it. He was on some podcast. I don't even know what it was, but he was on... Maybe it was his own. I have no idea. But anyways, I saw this... Taylor just sent us the video, and it was like a link to Twitter. And Kevin is talking about this, the top five players he's ever played with, and he's thinking on it, and he's like, Kyrie was the first one he said. James Harden Clearly. was number two. Uh, then he said Steph Curry, and then he said Clay Thompson. And he's got one more, and like it's obvious to the entire world that it should be Russell Westbrook. And then he says Serge Ibaka, <laughs> and and then the the guys that are on with him like don't have the cachet to say why are you not picking Russell Westbrook? They go like, oh, okay, I can see that. And then they say like, oh, but I was thinking about somebody else, maybe from Southern California. Uh, you know, and they were just like not saying what they should. They should have just been like, you didn't pick Russ? Like, what's going on? And then he finally realizes what they're saying because they're talking so strangely. It was such a weird show. But they were, he was like, oh, yeah, Russ, Russ, Russ. Yeah, I got, yeah, Russ has got to be there, you know. Uh, but so lame. It's just it's just so strange. But the fact that he included Serge is something. Like Serge is definitely like in the top like seven, eight players that he's ever played with, probably. Mm -hmm. uh, which is meaningful. And that to me, that's the kind of level of player we're talking. And we had lots of will Serge Ibaka ever make an All Star team yeah. conversations, right? And he never did, and he, and he's not ever going to make an All Star team, but. He's a highly impactful player even today. I mean, a lot of people think of Serge as like the swing player between the the Clippers, you know, getting to the finals and not uh, yeah. in the off season. That's how highly people think of him, and still could be the case. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, next question. This comes from at Nate Sand Five or Nate's and Five. I don't know which. Uh, how? Can guys like Poku, Teo, and Dort reach their full potential in the coming years with potentially two top five picks and a few second round picks coming in? Um, well, we, we talked about Dort and Pokushevsky at length. So um, I think that the concept here is that you don't know how many guys will come in. No matter how the picks will shape uh, in during the lottery it could be a lot of well we have three picks but we draft one player like they did last season they had a lot of picks they consolidate them to draft Pokusheski now clearly if you if you take if you get number one and number five you probably pick both um, but if that that is the case uh, I mean 
are you really concerned about the 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 ceiling of Theo Maledon? I mean, it's it's going to be great <laughs> to have him and to 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 reach his full potential. But I mean, yeah, if the question is, are there minutes to to um, to develop six guys uh, with probably four guards? Then the answer is likely not. Um, yeah. But you you never know. I mean, injuries are there. Um, you may play three guard lineups all the time, and so you have the minutes. I mean, if you if you uh, take into consideration the number of players that OKC is currently playing at guard, um, Dort, Shea, Maledon, Ty Jerome, uh, Svima Hayluk, Kenrich Williams sometimes plays as a guard. I mean, there is room for a guy like Maledon if he is value his talent is enough to keep him on the court and mm-hmm. he's he's having a hard time right now and in order for him mm-hmm. to reach a ceiling he has to to um to have at least above average uh three-point shooting because he's not dynamic yeah. enough to create out of pick and roll uh, especially mm-hmm. when he's not super aggressive which happens like a lot of times which is something that i don't yeah. like um mm-hmm. For the others, I mean, I think it will be like on the next Thunder guys, the next draft picks to take their spots and not the opposite direction. Like you need to, if you are a guard, if Jalen Suggs is the pick or Jalen Green, I am confident that they have to take Dort's spot. They have to. Mm -hmm. Otherwise... He's he's the guy that plays. It's it will be hard. I mean, he has shown a lot, and so with Poku it's different. I mean, Poku basically, if if they have someone like Kate or even Mobley, probably there will be some adjustments. Uh, but Dort, yeah, I mean, you have if you are good, you have to take his part, and it's not going to be easy. Yeah, I mean, the truth is that. Minutes are being handed to guys today, mm-hmm. and that's part of this process here mm-hmm. is to try to figure out who they are. But once you get good players on your team, you have to earn the minutes, which is not a bad position to be in. Exactly. Uh, Tail Maladon, yes, he is a guy that's being handed the starting point guard spot, and that's because of the circumstances that the Thunder are in. And in the future, he's going to have to earn minutes in order to get on the court which is not a bad thing. So right now, they're trying to see what they've got. They're increasing Dort's usage. They're increasing everybody's usage that's on the court, trying to see what we've got. And then once you get players in place, you've got to play well in order to get your minutes. And guys have had to do that throughout the history of the Thunder. I mean, Reggie Jackson had to earn those minutes. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. And he got a lot better because you had guys pushing him. So did so, James Harden. Uh, James Harden was not handed. Yep. A spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he earned it. Mm-hmm. He was he was very good. Uh, let's yeah. do one more. Let's go to this is an interesting question. I don't think we've gotten lots of questions about the guys. I feel like we've talked a lot about a lot of the stuff that's being asked already. So well, huge thanks. We we get a lot of questions like, would you rather have the first pick and or two and five that, or anything that. like that? So. If there is no way you can prefer anything compared to the first round pick, nothing. Like yeah, the first pick overall. Exactly. Yeah. Like the point is, if you if you go back and think about the Markel Fultz, Jason Tatum, Lonzo Ball draft, it's not that Boston gave up the first round pick because they, I mean, because they were sure about the other two and they got an extra asset but they were convinced to take Jason Tatum so the first round pick is the Mm -hmm. most valuable thing that you can have now if close to the lottery or close to the draft close to the draft not the lottery close to the draft you are sure you have the number one pick and you are 100% sure that Kate is not your guy that Mm -hmm. Jalen Suck is and you know that there is a team with number three, I don't know, the Wolves, that really want Cade, and they would never yeah. take Jalen Sachs or even Mobley, then you do that. But 
the number one pick mm-hmm. is what you want, period. Any mm-hmm. other combination, mm-hmm. don't care. Even if it's two yeah. pick, the, the fact that you get three and five, worse than one to me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you think Cade can be a game-changing player, you take him. Mm-hmm. And the alternative may not be a bad one. I mean, you, even you go to like the best drafts of all time mm-hmm. and you say, would you rather have LeBron James or Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh? You know, like the answer is still LeBron James. Yeah, even if you do. Even though the alternative is very good. Me- Melo right? and Wade. Like Melo and Wade. Would you rather have Melo and Wade or LeBron James? I'm sorry. Give me LeBron. Yeah. Yeah, take Dwayne Wade won championships, and that's great. But has anybody ever tried to argue that Dwayne Wade is like the best player of all time? Like, no, 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 Sorry. That's not. Like, give give me the shot at a guy that could possibly be, and no one's really saying this about Cade, but like, I don't know, no one was saying that Luca had a chance to be one of the best players ever at the draft. They're saying it now. We'll see. We'll see what what Cade can be, but if. Whoever the guy is, maybe their guy isn't Cade. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. But if it, they're going to take who they want to take. Mm-hmm. And you just, you want to get your guy. Exactly. That's what that is the, the, the number one pick is all about, is getting your guy and not having to hope that somebody else messes up. I mean, the Dallas Mavericks, for everything to go exactly the way that it went, so many things had to fall right for yeah. them. Yeah. So many things. It was not a guarantee that they were going to get Luca, but yes, I agree. Yes, the answer is always the number one pick. Yeah. Always, exactly. It every single time. Uh, let's see. At sports are epic. Asked, and this will be our last question. Sorry, we didn't get to too many of these. Maybe McKelly and I can hop on and answer these on Twitter. Yeah. Later on, um, should OKC be concerned at all that they just lost to Detroit and Toronto's B teams? Really, Toronto's C team. Uh, the, Toronto's playing so many guys that have non-guaranteed deals for next year that are probably not going to be in the NBA next year. Uh, he says, we're tanking and missing Shea, but all the other guys who are supposed to be part of our core just lost to two of the least talented teams that will be on the NBA court this season. Uh, I'll say this. The guys they were playing against are not the core. Like the core, the core of the team is Shea and the 2021 draft picks and the 2022 draft picks. That's who the core is. Everybody else is either a fringe player, some of these fringe NBA player, some of these guys fringe Thunder players, some of them Thunder role players. Mm-hmm. So we have zero parts of the core. Could Poku become a part of the core? Certainly. Is that the way that it should be viewed today? No. Same thing with Lou Dort. Could Lou Dort be a part of the core? We're talking about like the best like three players on the team. Could he be that? Perhaps. Is the plan or should the plan be to make him the core? No. I love Lou Dort. Happy birthday, Lou Dort. I'm so happy you're on the team. But if you if you want what Sam Presti wrote that he wants, and that's extraordinary success, you have to have players that are better. Mm-hmm. And he, if he's your Serge Ibaka, you need to go find your other two guys. Because it'd be great. Because right now, it's you have to have like three guys to go win the title, right? Or like the Lakers have two top five guys. You have to have two top five guys? Who's the other favorite? It's the Nets. Yeah, They've got everybody. You think you're going to go compete with Shea, Lou, and Poku? I love all of them. They're fantastic players. They're fantastic characters. Yeah, but it's... But that's not the core. It's not your core. It just cannot be. If that's your core, then perhaps you have a chance to be a really fun team, like a really intriguing, fun, wacky team. Great. But you're not going to have extraordinary success. Yeah, yeah and also look for the... like. I understand this and I often think about it as well like shouldn't this be a team where you kind of win like against nobody Um, but on one hand I think that and what you said Andrew is I I agree completely Uh, those are players that um, are not there yet 
I mean, and we we discussed Pokushevsky already. I mean, if Poku has a normal game shooting wise, this game is uh, is a W easy. And yeah, especially early when OKC was basically demolishing everyone um, because they were playing so well at the beginning of the of the game and they were creating good shots. Uh, they were hitting with a probably unsustainable percentage, as you mentioned. Um, but but still, they were playing great. And mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> some of the lineups that they are playing are just dysfunctional. Uh, the Maladon plus Moses Brown pairing does not work either on offense yeah. nor on defense. No. The fact that no. you play sometimes Roby and Moses Brown or Bradley plus another uh, between Baisley and Poku doesn't really work as well due to spacing and stuff like that. So there are a lot of things, including Boucher just going nuts uh, and hitting a yeah. shot because that is basically... The, the actual result. I mean, if Boucher misses the shot, that probably is a coin flip. So yeah, it's it's not great to lose against a lesser team, but it happens. Uh, and and OKC is going through a very harsh schedule. So I, I wouldn't be too worried about that. It's it's just no need to be worried about the fact that they lost against the run. That is the goal. I mean, probably the players know that as well. I know that nobody plays to lose, but I mean. Yeah. It's it's something you can't help it. I mean, they know what what is at stakes, and now there are players. They're on the internet. Ex- Believe exactly. it or not, these players are on the Would internet. You? They see what the what the what's going on. Yeah. They see what the fan base says. Yeah, they see a lot of it. People are adding them all the time on Twitter. You think they don't see it? Yeah, sure. So of course they so, see it. And it's not great. I mean, if you have multiple seasons like this, I believe that this is harmful for your team eventually. Because like being able to win, and, and, and this is why it's important what Dignall said at the end of the game. We were not ready to play those four minutes. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. This is not yeah. the exact wording. But the fact yeah. is they were yeah. not ready to play those four minutes. And nope. they should have been. And it's important that they learn how to be. But again, don't sweat on that as of today. It's, uh, yeah. I wouldn't. Teams have bad moments. Don't. And... Don't sweat it. No. Celebrate it, baby. Exactly. This is this is a celebration going on in my house last night. It was great. I had a great time. It was lovely. And I hope it happens again tonight with the Thunder against the Wizards tonight in Washington. Tip at 7 o'clock Central Time. Then the Thunder travel to Indiana to play the uh, to play Domas and the Indiana Pacers. Oh, Domas and Moses Brown. Oh, poor Moses Brown's about to get eaten alive by Domas. Shout out, Moses. Take cover. And then the Thunder are back in OKC. They only have two more home games, by the way, in the month of April. Uh, so far, the Thunder have lost every game in April, which is pretty wild. And they have a chance to lose out the rest of the month, which they won't do it. They're not going to. I predict they'll win tonight. Um, no, you didn't. They play. No, you did not. <laughs> Don't try. Oh, uh, so wiz- Wizards, Pacers, Wizards, and then you have like the gauntlet of Philly, Boston back to back, which is really tough. fantastic. And then you play at home. And then you play at home against the Pelicans uh, next Friday or next Thursday night. So that's a really tough end of the month for this team, especially being on the road so much. And then the season ends so weird. They play Indiana again for the second time Saturday, May 1st. And then it's Phoenix, Sacramento, Golden State, Golden State, Sacramento, Sacramento. Which is just like, oh, it's too much. Uh, and then they end with Utah and the Clippers at home. So uh, wild stuff. Uh, Mark Stein tweeted about this today, but no fans in the stands for OKC this season. And that was, hey, that's done. Uh, they only have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven more home games anyway. So. Yeah. Uh, that's it. So, season will be over soon. We'll have the draft lottery to look forward to. We'll have the the draft itself to look forward to. Oh, as yeah. Kelly and I will start gearing up for that. Uh, make sure that you're subscribed to Thunder After Dark because we are going to start going through player by player in this draft, watching film, doing many little podcast episodes on each player. And we'll have those just thrown out there to you guys. We'll try to probably do... 
one or two a week here starting pretty quick. So be sure you're subscribed to that. We'll give you little nuggets here, but we won't give you the full in-depth analysis here. So be sure you're subscribed to that. Um, also for the game analysis as well, which has been fun. Um, also, if you're on the Locker Room app, that's another way that we can connect. We did that last night. John and I did for Thunder After Dark. We took uh, live listener questions, which was super fun. Yeah, so, it was. Uh, if, if, if you're not on that app, go check it out. We'll do them here and there. But I hope you guys have a great rest of your Monday. Go Wizards. And we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.